is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. It is Super Bowl week and I am your host, Dara Mar. I'm delighted to be joined by the Malloy brothers, Rian and Fionn. Guys, how are we? It's Super Bowl week. Are you excited? Yeah, absolutely buzzing. Can't wait to see it. Uh, booked the day off on Monday, so it uh, should be a good time. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's almost as big as the Ping Pong Champions League finals, which gets really, really hyped. For anyone who hasn't seen the Super Bowl before, it's a, it's a big production. They get uh, regional artists in to play during the halftime. It's a big production. They get a nice band in, and it's really nice. It's not quite the Ping Pong Champions League, but it's probably the next, next best thing. Okay. Um, I'm going to segue past that very quickly. And I'm going to go down to what uh, Rian said at the start about booking off the Monday, which is very important. It's what I do my first day back after Christmas is I book that day after the Super Bowl off. But as people are aware, we all play on the same team. I've been talking to a few people on the team the last few weeks and they still haven't booked the day off on Monday. You got to question what's going on in their head here. Well, I'm one of them, Dara. I am still questioning what's in your head a lot, but it's more than just not booking off the Monday after the Super Bowl. Yeah, you got to question the dedication there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think you do. I don't like Arizona's what six hours behind, seven hours behind now at this point. It's a long way back. It's a long time to stay up. Look, it's still the same kickoff time every year. Yeah, no matter what part of the country it's in. But I'll, I'll avoid it. I won't listen to any news. I won't talk to you lads. Phone on silent till I get home and I'll watch it then with a bit of dinner tomorrow even or on Monday evening. So I won't see the game live. I can promise you that. There's no way you will not be able to avoid spoilers for pretty much a full day. Are. I've done it for years. <laughs> right. Uh, Rain, what's, uh, what's your plans then for Super Bowl Sunday now that you know that you won't have to worry about work on the Monday? My plan is probably go to bed at like nine o'clock and wake up for it. I've tried the whole stay awake for the whole a whole day and it just ruins your day the next day. So I'm going to sleep early, waking up at right around kickoff time, watching it through, maybe make some food or something. I don't know, hot dogs, you know, American food, make a little bit out of it, a few beers. And then, yeah, just have a good time. I won't be betting, so uh, I need to uh, do something to entertain me. <laughs> Uh, well that is that is one part of it that especially for people who do not watch fo- American football or the NFL regularly that they can get in and do a few prop bets and there's always some fun prop bets to do when it comes to Super Bowl Sunday that gets everybody involved in that one but I like the idea of taking the nap the nap the pregame nap is important it's vital for this and like I've already got mine down I'm not going to go sleep that late I'm probably going to we finish training one o'clock come home have a shower, probably have a nap around then, maybe have a, after have a bit of lunch, so about three, maybe sleep till about four or five or something like that, just to get me going then. And like that, I'll be the exact same. A few, few, uh, few crisps, maybe maybe pizza if the if the uh, occasion uh, warrants it for sure. Um, but we all know, me being the big guy, of course, it's the occasion always warrants it. When is it not warranted? <laughs> Exactly. It's bulking season 365. You know, that's what it is. I have to like build that mass around like my very flimsy calves, as I've been told a lot now these past couple of days, for sure. That's true. Um, but look, there's plenty more talk for flimsy calves when it comes to looking at the AFI season, which we will do 
after the Super Bowl. Today is all about the Super Bowl. Or is it? Because we're not just talking about the Super Bowl today, because we're actually going to talk uh, start off the show with a few head coaching hires we haven't had the chance to speak a bit more in depth about. And of course, one of them involves your team itself which we will talk a little bit about but if people want to hear a more in-depth reaction to the hiring of frank reich to the panthers you can go to our youtube channel under center podcast we are now doing our team specific shows myself and al have got to do a seahawks show rain had his uh, instant reaction show to frank Hike be frank reich being hired um fion I am still looking at my clock, waiting for your show to drop. Yeah, it's in the it's in the pipeline. Don't worry, Dar. It's in the pipeline. There it is. Okay, that's it. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. Um, but we will start actually probably with the biggest head coaching uh, hire this past week, and that is of course Sean Payton is the new head coach of the Denver Broncos after they gave up a 2022 third round pick and a a 2022 sorry 2023 first round pick. And then the 2024, I believe, second round pick in exchange for Sean Payton and a third round pick next year. Um, compensation aside, guys, what I'll start with you first, Fiona, on this. What do you think of the hire itself? Yeah, I don't know if I see it. I, I would hope if he was hired that he came in with a grand plan of how he's going to manage everything that's gone on with the team over the last season. As I said, he's not been around the league. He's only covering the league last season. And a lot of the guys that come in as new head coaches, they have to come in with kind of a folder, a binder, a plan of how they're going to lay out at least the first season, what they want to accomplish, the kind of resources they're going to need. I hope, I don't know whether they did or not, but I hope they put him through the same rigor because his name alone, I don't think warrants him getting that job. And on his side of things, I hope he considered it very carefully because this is not an easy team to come into. There were a lot of problems. The quarterback is a problem. And it's also a problem because depending on who you speak to, it's Russell Wilson is gone, if you speak to me, or he's had a significant blip last season. And it's going to take a lot of work to get him back to the Russell Wilson that you signed the Denver Broncos when they did it last season. So I think there's a lot of work to be done. And I really hope for both party's sakes that he has done his homework he has a strong plan in place and he knows exactly the kind of strategic targets that he needs to get in place that are going to help him turn this team around the defense was okay the defense was fine but there's a lot of other problems on that squad yeah 100 uh, i agree with you and i know that um from like a, a very macro perspective, the hiring of Sean Payton makes sense, right? You have a guy who's coming in, offensive guy, kind of CEO type. Uh, so he, he's a lot of experience in the league. He's totally different to Nathaniel Hackett. But I've spoken about it in the past. I don't really see this mesh of quarterback and head coach working because we saw when Sean Payton was in um, New Orleans, he was working with a shorter quarterback, same as Russell Wilson. But the way he managed it was to open up gaps on that O-line, uh, create throwing lanes for Drew Brees to throw down the middle. And we know that Russell Wilson is allergic to that. So I'd like to see how that gets on between the pair, their, how their relationship goes, or whether they start to clash over things like that. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I think they gave up way too much to get him. He also, Dara, he also struggled when Drew Brees fell off in his last season. He didn't adapt very well, and he had a lot of very good weapons on that offense 
And I think there are some nuggets on the Denver offense that he can mold, but it's nowhere near the same shape as what that Saints offense was when Drew Brees started to fall off. They don't have Algam Kamara. They don't have a a, a guy. Uh, what's the quarterback's name? The Swiss Army knife. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. They don't have a Taysom Hill. They didn't have Michael Thomas. And and speaking of Michael Thomas, it also worries me how he dealt with that situation. I believe that that was a serious falling apart in the relationship between him and the team. And if that happens in other places in Denver, I think it's going to be a big problem. John, I disagree with yeah. you there. Michael Thomas was definitely not available when Drew Brees fell off that cliff. All right, fair. Uh, and the receiver core out there in Denver is actually quite good. He has got weapons to go to. He just needs somebody to put him in the right position to actually hit those weapons. Yeah. Um, I saw, I think it was, was it Emmanuel Ocho um, on the Speak show? Um, he mentioned about the quarterback Sean Payton has worked with and what he has done to improve them and he's mentioned the likes of Jameis uh, Andy Dalton Drew Brees um, who else has he worked with there uh, Taysom Hill I guess you could say he did want to play him as a quarterback um, they were sort of players that never fulfilled their potential and he brought them up In Denver, it's a different situation. He has a quarterback that has seemingly peaked and now is on the regression. And I don't know how he can sort of change that um, and bring him back up. Because once you start going down, you don't really come back up. You might have a little peak here and there. You might have a little jump here and there, like the odd, maybe odd purple patch here and there. But I don't think that you can get back to the levels that you once were. Um, I think that the type of head coach that Sean Payton is as well, he is the P. Carroll type. He is the Bill Belichick type. He is, I am head coach. I am GM. I am everything in this organization here and now. I decide everything, which is interesting for George Payton's role as GM, whether that will continue because obviously now he's getting a lot of criticism. The fact that he kept his job after everything that went so wrong last season with the Broncos um, and the fa- with the, with the news as well, that Russell Wilson's team tree now will not be part of any coaching setup either. It seems to me as though Sean Payton is laying the groundwork for them to step away from Russell Wilson, that if he doesn't perform, I still think that they, if they can get a player out of him, great, keep him. He can be our guy, but if he's not going to be the guy and if he's not going to go, with Sean Payton's view of things and how the team needs to move forward, I think he would have no problem saying to Russ, thanks, no thanks, enjoy your contract, but we'd rather try to get better with a quarterback that's going to align with my vision of how the team's going forward. Well, I think it begs the question, whose decision is it? I think if it's his decision, then yeah, fair enough. I think if it's GM or even ownership's decision on whether or not Russell Wilson plays, he could be in big trouble. We don't know how Russell Wilson's going to react he has been a difficult person, as you well know, in the Seattle and Pete Carroll era towards the end. Very vocal about what he wants. Very vocal about how he wants to do it. We've had all sorts of stories come out last season about how some of his antics, while objectively driven at his own performance, certainly rubbed up his teammates the wrong way. I'm talking, of course, about 
warming up on the plane for three hours straight during an away game and these type of things. So I think it'll be as much about how Russell Wilson reacts to the way that Sean Payton wants to coach. And then on top of that, who makes the final decision about whether Russell Wilson stays or does not stay on this roster. And if that's Sean Payton, that's one thing. If it's not Sean Payton, it could be a whole other kettle of fish in this Denver Broncos locker room over the course of the 2023 season. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I think it's it's kind of a shame that they don't have as many picks as they might like coming into this season. Like they gave away their first round or two Seattle um, to to obviously bring in Russell Wilson. Uh, so if it was me, if I was Sean Payton, I absolutely wouldn't be closing the book on Russell Wilson just yet. We know he has that kind of um, at least had that MVP caliber to his game, so that must be locked away somewhere within his play. Um, but I would be drafting a quarterback in like the third round to kind of just put a little bit of pressure on him. You know, he's not going to be a starter right off the bat, but it's just kind of another message to Russell Wilson to go, hey, buddy, you're not the only option here, so you better play like you are. Yeah, exactly. Other options. Who have they got on the roster that could even fill in for him right now if they don't want to go that way? So let's is say... Your man, is your man Brett Rippon still there? Like, is that going to be good enough? I'm not sure. And are they going to be able to draw a good free agent backup with Russell Wilson in there? I don't mm. know. This could be this be, could very easily become a very nasty can of worms for the Denver Broncos well, with if the, this doesn't pan out. With the Broncos cap situation, with the fact that the money that they're paying Sean Payton, first of all, and the money that they're paying Russell Wilson, I don't think they'd be able to draft a quarterback in a first-round scenario anyway with the money that they get. I don't mm. think it would work cap-wise. So they would have to take a flyer on a third or fourth round, and hopefully that works out. Again, it kind of restricts their ability to go after um, any free agent quarterback or any other quarterback that may be on the trade block as well with the with the Russ contract. So they are in a, in a perilous predicament and... Um, we we will talk a little more about it. We we got the chance to speak to uh, Connor Orr from the MMQB podcast and Sport Illustrated a little bit about this, um, which we will bring to you later on in the show. Um, but um, it is interesting to see what's going to happen there in in Denver over the next couple of weeks. Um, very quickly, uh, Rian, I know you gave your reaction, like I said, on air. Um, on our YouTube channel already with your own Panthers show. Frank Reich hired as the um, head coach there's a little bit of scrutiny that comes with that i think what it was it his daughter that was hired three days after the season ended or something like mm -hmm. that um and now they're thinking that the interview process wasn't right i think steve wilkes is considering legal action against the team as well and um, that stuff we'll wait and see if it happens but on the positive side he brings in a new defensive coordinator um here it Elijah, I think that's how you pronounce it. I keep getting it wrong. Evero, the former DC in Denver with the Broncos, the only thing that kind of went right with the team last year. So your reaction to, to your new defensive coordinator? Yeah, so I think this really makes the Frank Reich hire even better, right? So um, it was kind of an on-defense one for me. There was a little bit of consistency issues there. Uh, but bringing in this guy, uh, Ajiro Evero, makes this head coach hire kind of it makes it look like they mean business right because even though he was a first year guy last season that was the the jewel in that 
um, that Broncos crown last season, they were the only thing really that was going right uh, for the team. So he is a young guy, but he looks like he's able to rally a team around him. He might be able to bring over some of that talent from Denver. Uh, Carolina are not in the worst cap position at the moment. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes, but it really looks like that they, they really mean business this season. Um, and I think Aviro is going to bring that defense from good as it was last year up to great this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy Frank Wright got a head coaching job. I think he got the short end of the stick a little bit in that Indianapolis Colts situation. That was not a good football team. And look, Jeff Saturday by no means is a top-tier head coach, but they didn't get any better once Frank Wright left. So that's always kind of usually a good sign that it wasn't all down to the coach and some of it's got to be roster issues. So I think him getting a new head coaching job, I still think he's going to be on a short leash, right? That that season, last season, I believe is going to follow him. If he can perform well at the Carolina Panthers, that'll cool his seat down a little bit. But I really feel like if they get off to a rocky start to the season, that last season is going to be taken into account as it is in most places. But I don't. I think he's going to fit in well. And like you said, Ajiro, I think I like what he did, as you said, Rain. The Denver Broncos played really well. They got better at defense over the course of the season as well. So I like his ability to develop players that he has and develop a scheme that really fits the type of athletes that he has on that Carolina defense. Yeah, absolutely agree that Reich definitely did get the short end of the stick there last season. Um, The Colts didn't play good football, but there was a lot wrong within that organization. I mean, there, there was rumors that the quarterback brought in and Matt Ryan was the, the owner's quarterback as opposed to the GM's quarterback or the head coach's quarterback. Frank Reich actually has a pretty good record when he's working with decent quarterbacks. You know, he had excellent seasons um, when I've forgotten his name, the guy who retired early for the Colts. Um, like Andrew, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, yeah, he had some excellent seasons there. He even worked well with Carson Wentz when he was there. And when uh, Jacoby Brissett was thrown in the deep end, we saw he did well there too. And he didn't do well over at the Browns this season. So, yeah, I think if he's given the quarterback that he can work with, he's going to do good things. And I think that's where the Panthers are probably going with the draft. Perfect. Um, we will move on then to the other head coach hire that we know of so far, um, and that is D'Amico Ryans, who is going to be the new, or is the new head coach, I should say, of the Houston Texans. An interesting hire, of course, Ryans played with the Texans during his career, and he's taught off fondly back in Houston. Um, he was offered the Broncos job as well, as far as we're aware. He turned it down to take the Texans job, and um, he obviously sees more potential in that. Interesting that um, what route is he going to take? Because Robert Sala, of course, was the head, the defensive coordinator at the 49ers before Ryan's. He's now with, with, with the Jets, started off rocky, um, taught he, start, he started off his career rocky, had a good season at the start of his second year this year, um, tailed off towards the end of the season, quarterback issues, and um, being one of the main contributors to that. Do we see a, a similar sort of you know pathway for D'Amico Ryan's in Houston? And um, because quarterback is going to be the big question, does he go after a veteran and free agency? Does he go after Jimmy G now, who's going to be a free agent who he knows from his time with the 49ers, or does he 
go with the draft, go for the unknown quantity with that second pick, possibly might trade up to try and get to the first pick, who knows. But, Rain, I'll start with you first on this one, D'Amico Ryans to the Texans. Yeah, for me, it, it makes a lot of sense. They've had a couple of offensive guys in there and it hasn't really panned out. I think now is the right time to start shoring up that defense. Um, and I think D'Amico Ryans is obviously the guy to do that, right? That uh, that 49ers defense they left has been absolutely fantastic in the entire time that he's been there. So, um, yeah, I like that higher. In terms of what they're going to do, I think they won't be as uh, hamstrung as Salah was with with. Wilson because I'd say they'll probably go for Bryce Young in that number two overall spot and I'd say he's probably going to come into the league ready to go he's coming out of Alabama they always come into the league ready to go so he won't have to worry about that he'll have a nice cool head at quarterback and then he can start building on that defense and I really think that's where they're going to be solid in the future and um, yeah I mean it's 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 all looking up for the Texans at the minute. Yeah, I'd say they're hoping a bit of that offensive guru might have rubbed off on him as well while he was in that San Francisco 49ers building. I agree with Reno. I think there's going to be good opportunities for him. I really just hope the management and the ownership gives him the time to establish himself. Again, this is another case of I hope he came in with a really strong plan. He was very direct about what he needs. I'm sure he did. I believe he was even a captain there in the Texans when he played. I think it's a great cultural fit. I think it's nice to see another... Black head coach in the NFL, that's important as well. Down in Texas, as Rian said, there's a full of opportunities. They've got a great pick in the draft that he gets to have input in. Uh, and I don't think he can really go wrong, as Rian said. If they go for quarterback and Bryce Young, he's shown a lot of different talents. He seems to be of the mold of quarterback that has fit in at least reasonably well in the NFL. We're yet to see how they all pan out, but most of them have been starting caliber quarterbacks. So that'll be really good to see. Again, I just hope the leash is long enough to give him time to work out some kinks. It's a six-year contract. Uh, and I kind of talked to Connor in that, about that in our conversation later on. So maybe he can shed a bit of light on what that means for D'Amico Ryans. And does it give any indication about how the Texans' ownership see his potential reign uh, while he's there at, as head coach of the, of the Houston Texans? And I think that is a perfect segue to introduce our first interview of our Super Bowl preview show. Rian or Fionn mentioned it there. It is Connor or of Sports Illustrated and, of course, from the MMQB podcast. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will show you our chat with Connor. And you welcome back to the Under Center podcast. Dara here with Jake and Fionn. And I'm delighted to uh, be joined by our first guest this evening. He is, of course, with Sports Illustrated and one of the hosts of the MMQB podcast. It's Connor Orr. Connor, it's great to speak to you. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys? Very excited. Yeah, very excited. The Super Bowl is finally here. Let's, yeah, it's, uh, it's the end of a long season. This is going to be a good game. This is probably schematically like the second or third best matchup that I could have asked for, but it's not mm. bad. And mm. so um, I hope that the time between now and then gives us two healthy quarterbacks because I would like to see everybody at 100%. Mm. I was saying it's probably the most boring matchup that we could have <laughs> got. Now, very good football, I'm sure, but in terms of storylines, the two one seeds squaring off, I, I, I felt it was a little bit the most boring matchup we could have had out of the playoffs. 
and from a writer's perspective, it's like, okay, Andy Reid used to coach the Eagles. We get it. You know, Travis and Jason Kelsey are brothers. We get it. You know, there's, you know, some cute stuff for sure. But, you know, I, I'm more interested in like, I mean, my favorite Super Bowl I think that I covered live was Rams Patriots. We had Bill Belichick and Sean McVay. And it's like, here's something that we've never seen before. And we're going to see a coach who cover a team or play defense against a team that's just going to completely ruin that scheme forever. And, you know, force Sean McVay to do so much adjusting. And, you know, that's the kind of Super Bowl I like. I don't know if I'm going to get that this time. I think it might be a little bit of a shootout, but it'll be fun. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be nonstop. Sure you, you mentioned you mentioned it was got your second or third favorite matchup. What would be your ideal setup here for the Super Bowl if you had to pick? I wanted I wanted um, I wanted Bengals 49ers um, just because uh, with like a full steam Brock Purdy. I, I just thought that team was so good, and to have them lose the way that they did was a little bit disappointing. I was at that game, and you know. I don't know. It was seven, it was seven, nothing for a long time. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's kept him in that game and I just thought they deserved another shot, you know, and but when you have two quarterbacks go down and give Christian McCaffrey throwing passes, there's not a whole lot. You can do, you know? <laughs> it was, it was sort of the end of the uh, playbook sort of looking through their trick play saying, can we do this? And what can we do by the end of that game? Definitely for, for, uh, uh, for the 49ers for sure. But I need to ask you before we start, actually, um, have you um, ever had the chance to come over to Ireland before? No, it's on my, well, it's on my bucket list. So I've, uh, I'm, we did our like 23 and me. I'm, I'm only Irish, so I should go <laughs> over there at some point, you know, uh, so I'm all, uh, I'm, I'm all good guy, but uh, yeah, no, my wife's Italian. And so we thought maybe for like our 10 year, we would do a couple days where she's from a couple days where I'm from. And uh and and check it out but i want i want to go over there where where do, where should i go that's the good question like you, you start know. off in dublin and then you hit the west coast that's your okay. ideal kind of yeah uh, okay. first point is on the under center podcast yes <laughs> is it true that everyone pees on the blarney stone no they kiss it <laughs> so i hope they don't pee on it <laughs> well when i was my someone in my family was planning a trip and she said you can't kiss it because everyone pees on it it's like a to, to, to trick all the tourists that's like well, something that someone told me the other day. It's not the locals. Good, it's on pretty that. high up in the air. Like it'd be a pretty good trick now if you were able to pee up onto it. I'd have to say, unless unless you're a man who looks after. There's a guy who kind of holds your legs as everyone dangles over. So maybe when the maybe when it's a few quiet days, maybe yeah, you get stuck up there with a can of Guinness and there's nowhere okay. else to go. Maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. 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 All right. I'm coming then. I'm in. <laughs> Definitely. And that is. When Jake says you start in Dublin, work your way to the West, that means you have to work your way through any pub you find as well <laughs> in the West. Because progressively, if you like, only look for sort of the old men pubs, because that's where you're going to get the best Guinness. Because if you see, you could walk into a pub and you see a line of older guys sitting at the bar, all drinking Guinness, you know that the Guinness is going to be good in there because they won't accept a bad pint. See, I, I heard that, <laughs> I heard that, I heard that it's just like it's it's like something you've never tasted before, you know. And I'm I considered myself for a long time a pretty good Guinness drinker, but again, I've never had it over there. I've had it in London, but I've never had it in, in Ireland. So it doesn't compare. Say. It doesn't yeah. compare. As an yeah. avid Guinness drinker myself, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. 
But uh, let's let's talk some football though, because um, before we get into the game, um, I, I was actually reading your um, article on Sean Payton because he's obviously about to become the Broncos' new head coach. Um, and you mentioned, without giving the whole article away, you mentioned a few interesting things and some of the uh, issues he's going to have to deal with, obviously including Russell Wilson and the contract. You know the DC. Um, I always get this name wrong. A hero, Evero. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then of course the idea of maybe bringing if if Evero leaves, big Fangio in as well. But um, one thing that that interests me, you, you were comparing his the end of his tenure with the Saints to him coming into to the Broncos and and sort of being in the similar situation. And you know some of the talk when Peyton left the Saints was that he wasn't interested in doing a rebuild with the team, but it looks like he would have to do something similar to that now with the Broncos. So what do you feel is changing his mind? And other than the obvious, the paycheck, why do you think he's he's interested in taking on the, the Broncos rebuild? I kind of just think he got too far down the road uh, in this process and didn't want to lose out on a job. And I think he just kind of took one. Uh, and to me, you know, like we like you just mentioned, you know, if Russell Wilson is not the player that he once was, you got to move on from him before the end of that contract. And if you move on from him before the end of that contract, it creates a lot of salary cap complications, a lot of dead money, um, you know, worse than Jared Goff left with the Rams or Carson Wentz left with the Eagles. And you can manipulate that to some degree. But, you know, if they moved on from Russell Wilson, say after this, at like post June 1, their salary cap is going to be just as bad, if not worse than the saints. Um, and you're going to have no draft capital because you had to trade for Sean Payton and you had to trade two picks for two first for Russell Wilson. So, I mean, it seems like a big rebuild to me. And again, you know, maybe you get to hold on to, um, to Ejiro, um, for a little bit because he is still under contract with the Broncos and you're not going to let him go because he's super talented. But if he somehow gets away, um, I think that defense is in for a huge regression because I think Ajiro is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. And so you're looking at maybe generously like an eight, eight or nine win team. And is that why you came out of retirement and left the saints, which was an eight and eight or nine win team anyway. And Connor on your side, we see other teams obviously are looking for head coaches at the moment. I'm, I know the Colts are one of those teams and they're going through a pretty exhaustive interview process, but I think they they just recently announced they had seven or nine candidates are still are still going for their head coaching position. On the Broncos side of things, do you think this was a signing based on the mystique or the record of Sean Payton more than maybe a plan that he pitched to ownership that they were impressed by? I think that Sean was not their first choice. I think I think they wanted D'Amico Ryans, uh, who just got hired by the Texans. And I think um you know, once D'Amico signed with Houston, I think it was between Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh. And I think, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh is obviously committed at Michigan. And I don't know if he wants to jump back to the NFL. I think he does. But I think Jim has a chance to wait for the right opportunity. And uh, so that left them kind of at the end of the game of musical chairs. And and Sean ended up being the guy that, that they called. But, um, you know, I, I I can't imagine you setting out for that process and wanting to trade draft capital wanting to spend $20 million a year on a head coach when you could get an entire coach's first contract for $20 million. You know, um, D'Amico Ryans will cost $20 million over his first four years, you know? Mm. And so, you know, there's a lot to like about that. And so I think 
Sean Payton is probably not something they wanted to do, but I think, you know, at some point you have to, to grab onto something if the boat's sinking. Connor, you just mentioned there D'Amico Ryan, he got six years total in Texas. Now, I don't know how head coaches salaries and contracts work, but I think we all know the history of that Texans franchise. If he doesn't turn it around in year one, they will easily cut ties with him. Are, <laughs> are the numbers on coaches' contracts just kind of made up? Yeah, we'll, we'll give you six years because if you work out well, we want you locked in. But in reality, none of that money is guaranteed and they'll just heave them out the door if they have to. No, that's what's interesting about coaching contracts, right? They're totally the opposite of player contracts where – you know, if D'Amico Ryans gets fired, they have to pay him uh, throughout the remainder of that contract. And now what they do have is what's called offset language. And so if D'Amico gets fired after a year, let's say in Houston, and then goes back to the 49ers to be the defensive coordinator, the Texans owe him the difference between his head coaching salary and what the 49ers would pay him. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, they're locked in. And, and I mean, D'Amico is a hot name. So I think what he was able to do is command those extra years. Typical coaching contracts are about four years for about four to five million dollars a year uh, for first time guys. And I'm, I'm sure D'Amico got six and probably a little bit more than four to five million, too. There's no wonder Cliff Kingsbury booked that one way ticket to Thailand. He's getting paid up for a long Doesn't time matter. there yep. now. Stay there as long as you want. Yeah. <laughs> um moving on then to to the game on sunday um i also got a chance to read your early predictions for the super bowl and there was some interesting takes in it um obviously the tom brady one obviously aged poorly because obviously tom didn't know he was going to retire before not he yet we don't know that he could always... <laughs> you said this before he said this we've been here but um you mentioned as well about um the officials um, and how you think that nothing will be said about the, the issues that they've had this year. And of course we all know about the, the question marks, questionable calls made in, in the two championship games last week. Um, Carl Sheffers is of course going to be the, the lead referee for this game. And he actually ranks what, uh, first in uh, total penalties per game with around 12 and a half, 13 penalties um, this season. And he was, he was actually top last season as well. The last thing I'm sure the NFL need at the moment is a game to be dominated, especially the Super Bowl to be dominated by the officials. And especially with last season, with the, the questionable calls, I, I think of like the, the phantom PI call on, I think it was Logan Wilson towards the end of the game. Um, the no call on Jalen Ramsey with the face mask for the long touchdown to start at the third quarter. So do you think maybe Roger Goodell is in the ear, ear scene? Maybe, lads... Let's let this game go on a little longer. Let's not make you the center of attention this year. I think a lot of officials tend to sh shrink in big games. I think that's been historically accurate, regardless of what their scores have been during the season, because there is a legitimate fear, right? I mean, who wants the Super Bowl to be about them and you're not on either one of the teams, right? And I think that there is we see a lot of whistles, you know, call it whistle swallowing, right? You know, at this point during the year and you just kind of pretend it doesn't exist. And it's tough because teams have all this intel on these refs and they prepare for these referees. And then if all of a sudden they decide to get really conservative, that changes the specter of, you know, what you're trying to do and your game plan. I remember the Bengals were, you know, 
hoping that it would be kind of more of a physical game so their receivers could kind of beat people up at the line and win. And that ended up being the case that allowed them to come back and and kind of score with the Rams for a little while in that game. So it's all up in the air. But, you know, I'd say this is one of the worst postseasons for officiating I can remember in in recent times. And so the hope is, I mean, I would prefer they swallowed the whistle than they did. Right. I mean, the last thing we want to do is see 35 penalties called in, uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But then also on the other side of things, it is sort of down to it is their still responsibility. If they do see the foul, that they are still going to have to call it. Because the last thing also that they want is non-calls to be taking up um, the all the, the the space on the back pages of the papers the next day. And, you know, that it's 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 that balance that they try and strike at. It is so difficult. And <laughs> and that's what they always say. Wearing the, the black and white stripes is, is a no-win situation for them. It really is. Um, but I think the NFL hangs them out to dry, right? Because we could always do sky judge. You know, we could always have, um, you know, and, and maybe it makes the game 10 or 15 minutes longer, but I don't mind. I mean, the Alliance of American football did it in the States. Uh, I thought it was really successful during their trial run where, you know, you have that camera, you have those drone cameras up there. You can, you can see a foul. You can have an official from the booth that's seeing things the way that we're seeing it, right? And so then he can report that down to the field and generate a call. And so I think, you know, that ends up being an ideal situation, you know, and uh, it's one that I just, I don't know if the league is ready to commit the resources, the time, the effort, or whatever it is into that. Yeah, and looking then uh, at the play, uh, at the actual players and, and the teams in this game, you know, we always say that games are won in the trenches. Um, and that was very important as well for even the game last week between the Eagles and, and the 49ers. That the, the Eagles on both sides of the ball, their O-line, their D-line dominated, which um, obviously helped them win that game. I look, I when I see this game, I think back to 2021 when the Bucks beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs had a banged O-line. Mahomes was injured actually for that game. I think he had turf toe for that as well. And now he's in this, he still has the high ankle sprain. He seemed okay, but we don't know really how how damaged his ankle is. And they're coming up against obviously this dominating defense. You know, I think four of their defensive linemen had over 10 sacks in the in each in the season. But they've invested in this O-line now, like obviously drafting Creed Humphrey you know, signing Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney. So they've recognized that they're going to have to invest in the O-line, obviously maybe sacrificing, like getting rid of players like Tyreek Hill and, and having to let him go. Where, How important is this uh, O-line, D-line, especially for the, the Chiefs O-line, the, the Eagles D-line going to be important on Sunday? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's where the game's going to be won and lost. Um I think the Eagles have a lot more speed off the edge than the Bengals did. And therefore I think that they're going to force the chiefs to be a little bit more uncomfortable than the Bengals. I mean, Hassan Reddick basically won that game for them. uh, The conference championship game against San Francisco, he hurt Brock Purdy. And then I think on the next play, pushed them back like another 10 or 15 yards um, on their next drive uh, with a huge sack. And so I think combined with some, you know, and Dominican Sue, Linville, Joseph, Flesher Cox, all of their pocket pushers, they're going to give Patrick Mahomes all he can handle. Mahomes is going to have more time to rest the ankle, but high ankle sprain is a high ankle sprain, right? It's going to hurt for four to six weeks, and that's that. You know, there's not a whole lot that you can do to change that. 
And so it'll be a lot about Mahomes' pain tolerance, but I don't know how you scheme up a lot of protection. Like I think there was a lot of just criticism of Andy Reid the year that they lost to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, and he didn't give Mahomes any help in the backfield. There was no um, second tight end. There was nobody chipping anybody. And so I think it's one of those situations where, you know, is, is this the same kind of thing? You want to walk into a situation and, and not protect your guy back there. Mm. Connor, we saw as well in the champion, in the conference championship game as well, a little bit of an uptick, uptick in Pacheco's receiving yards and receptions in the game. Was that down to, you think, just a scheme against uh, the Bengals? Was it to do with Mahomes' ankle or was it an extra wrinkle brought in ahead of this game against the Eagles just to give them something extra to think about coming out of the backfield? I think Mahomes has really liked throwing to his backs, especially over the second half of the season. It really just helps when when you're the kind of quarterback who likes to extend the play with your legs and then you don't have Tyreek Hill. The running back is just a nice option to have there as a check down. And when you have McKinnon and now Pacheco, who is becoming a more comfortable ball carrier, I mean, you look at all the success San Francisco's had, how many of their passes are just two or three yard check downs to running backs and wide receivers? And Sometimes it's like, why are we overcomplicating this? You know, why aren't we just getting the ball to our to our best athletes? And Pacheco especially can wear defense down. That that physicality, you know, uh, compounded over the course of two quarters is going to make a big difference. Yeah, I really like Pacheco. I think he's just a he's actually a really really good running back for that Chiefs team. Um, Connor, do you think that this the Mahomes ankle injury is going to really affect him? I know he was kind of removed from the um, the injury report. I think prior to the Bengals game, but this this um, Eagles D line is a bit more fierce than than what the Bengals D line is. I I mean I think it can't not affect him, right? I mean he's human, and you know maybe he's going to have pain tolerance uh, that's higher than the average person. You know whatever, maybe he gets a pain injection before the game. But you know I, high ankle sprains are are what they are. You know it's a it, in and some of us do tolerate pain better than others. We saw Patrick Mahomes go on the run to set up a, a win against the Bengals. So I think he's capable of doing it. It's just, you know, can the Eagles force him to do it over and over and over again to the point where it becomes untenable? Yeah. On the 49, or not the 49ers, sorry, the Eagles side of things and their offense, um, obviously they are quite a run heavy offense and the, the Chiefs, especially in the AFC championship game, stopped the run quite well against the Bengals. Joe Bur- or Joe Burrow himself or even Joe Mixon didn't really get many yards. And this Eagles offense with the, the amount of weapons it has, if it is Miles Sanders or uh Ken Gainwell or even Boston Scott, they can't get the run going. They have these such these dangerous weapons in AJ Brown, Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. You know, especially with this sort of you know youngish uh, backfield that the Chiefs have at the moment. It, it, it is definitely a matchup to watch. Yeah, and I think what helps the Eagles is obviously, you know, having Hurts as part of that running game, and it changes the equation. I'm interested to see what the Chiefs try to do with Chris Jones because, to me, that's he's really their only option to stopping everything. If Chris Jones has a good game, I think the Chiefs have a better chance of winning. I slightly favor the Eagles at this point because – I think that offensive line can handle anything you throw at it. And if you try to stick Chris Jones in the middle, I've seen Jason Kelsey take care of Dexter Lawrence pretty easily on his own. 
you know, Chris Jones, is he that much better than Dexter Lawrence? You know, probably not. You know, I think Jason Kelsey can handle him with some help from his guards. You try to stick him on the outside. You know, Lane Johnson held Nick Bosa to no quarterback hits last week. And so he's playing the best football he's played all year despite his own injuries. So I think that offensive line is such an equalizer. And if you can take Chris Jones out of a play, you're going to be able to run the ball against the Chiefs. Uh, The Bengals just didn't have the offensive line to do that. Connor, do you think the back end of this Eagles defense is also going to be very important? They've played very well this season, but I think a criticism that has been leveled at them, if you could level a criticism, is that maybe they haven't always been tested to the max. Certainly in the in the conference championship game, they never really got out of third gear and didn't really have to get out of third gear, but they have played well. How, how have you assessed the back end of that defense? I think it's a really talented defense. I think it's a really experienced defense. And when you're playing that Fangio style kind of umbrella defense, you know, there's a lot of things that you don't have to worry about that you would have previously, you know, and I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to break one of these big classic Mahomesian 60 or 70 yard throws. It's going to be a lot of dealing with Kelsey. It's going to be a lot of the intermediate stuff and how well they tackle. Um, But I, and, and I think that style of defense helps your backs out a lot. It saves them from getting burned and, uh, and saves them from having no safety help. And so, all that said, you know, I don't know if there's anybody necessarily on the Chiefs that's going to, you know, blow the doors off of them because the Bengals are the best receiving core in the league. <laughs> Connor, um, you just mentioned that the the receiver core is there on the, um, let's say, on the Chiefs here, but we, we know that there's a few injuries now that just came out of that Bengals game. Mikael Hardman is, I don't think he's looking too good. Kadarius Tony and Juju Smith-Schuster also came out with some injuries, so... What what do you do in that situation when your receivers are not 100%? You can't 100% rely on Travis Kelsey. Well, it's going to be tough, but I think that was their plan all along this year was to develop a deeper core of receivers. I think Mahomes was just too dependent on Tyreek and, and Kelsey for so long, but how could you not be because they're always open? But I think this forced him to become a better quarterback and to throw guys open. Uh, and now you're seeing guys like even like Justin, Justin Walter or, you know, some of these guys who are your third, fourth, fifth string guys are catching big touchdowns this year, catching big uh, first down passes because he's developed that. Sky Moore had a big game last week, and I could see them using him out of the backfield in the slot, a lot of places like that, just to kind of open up the defense too. I think he's hitting his stride a little bit. Excellent. And look, last question we have to ask you, who are you going for? Oh, this is going to be a tough one. I, I have the Eagles by a point. I think I think I like them 31-30. I think they get out to a hot start. Um, their first and second drives, especially, their scripted drives are so good. Um, and uh, you know, that offensive line is just going to be really juiced. They're, health, they're healthy as they're going to be, right? And so, um, you know, I think they get out to a fast start. And as long as they can hold off that, uh, that Mahomes rally, I, th- I think they're going to win. Um, you know, I, and again, yeah, they haven't been tested like the Chiefs have been tested, but the Eagles are really good. They're really, really talented. Excellent. Listen, Connor, we really appreciate the time. Um, I, I forgot to ask you, you heading out for the game on Sunday? Uh, I'm leaving on uh, Monday morning, and uh, so I'm touching down there like sometime around Monday afternoon. And uh, yeah, we'll be there all week. I can't wait. Very excited. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Um, Annie, you recording an episode of the podcast out there? Yeah, we'll do – we're going to do like prop bets on Monday, which will be fun. Um, and then at some point on Sunday, we'll record the podcast um, 
when we're done writing. So we'll probably start recording at like 7 a.m. after the game, stay up all night working, and then we'll record the podcast, and then we'll sleep on our flights home. <laughs> Thanks. Connor, one so, quick uh, question there. Um, and during the offseason, is it possible we might get a Connor Gary Gramlin appearance on the Under Center podcast? Anytime. Anytime. I don't know how Irish Gary is. I'm going to ask, but he's, uh, I'm sure he would. Uh, we I'm got sure in, we, we got in a lot of family trees there. So I'm sure there's some Irish in there somewhere. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Excellent. Connor, we really appreciate your time again. And um, thanks so much. Enjoy the game on Sunday and uh, we'll talk to you for sure in the off season. For sure. Thanks guys. And you're welcome back to the next part of the Under Center podcast Super Bowl preview show. The Kansas City Chiefs against the Philadelphia Eagles, both number one seeds in the AFC and the NFC this past season. A big thank you to Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated and the MMQB podcast for taking the time to speak to us. We really appreciate it. And no doubt we will have him back on the show at some stage in the off season. Before we move on and look ahead to the game itself from air end, Make sure if you haven't already, you are following us on our social channels. That is at UndercenterPod on Twitter. The same on Instagram. Undercenter Podcast on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to that because, like I mentioned at the start of the show, we are doing more team-specific shows. So we could be talking about your team if you're a Seahawks fan, Commanders fan, Panthers fan, Patriots fan. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. Giants fan. Um, we have shows lined up for all of those teams and we are actively looking to get obviously more people involved too who support other teams to get as many shows. Hopefully we can get to a scenario where we can get all 32 teams having their own show on the on the YouTube channel. So make sure you are subscribed to it to be kept up to date with the latest shows. You can also listen back to them via, your, uh, via our podcast system, Under Center Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. That is where you're going to find it. I'm only realizing now how many times I've said the word podcast in the last two minutes, and it's starting to wreck my head a little bit. So instead of saying podcast, let's talk about Super Bowl. Lads, this game is a fascinating matchup between two high-scoring offenses, two kind really one obviously excellent defense, and one maybe flying under the radar defense about how well they've played. Um so many areas to look at in terms of areas to watch. Um, obviously, possible betting scenarios, which we'll get into in the last part of the show. But, Fionn, in I just want your opinion first as a whole in this game. Do you think we have the two best teams in the NFL this season going up for the Super Bowl? Without a doubt. I think we got the two best teams playing the two best brands of football if that makes sense they were the most consistent over the course of the season they have dealt with everything that's been thrown at them i know there's a lot of people leveling accusations about who has been battle tested and not and i i think a battle is a battle we all played american football it doesn't really matter what the opposition is like you need to put them away you need to win the games and you need to beat the teams that are put in front of you you can't control what the strength of schedule or any of these metrics that are done to determine whether or not a team has faced a harder or an easier road to the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. You got to the Super Bowl. Everyone's going to need a little bit of luck. They're going to need a little bit of an of a schedule break here or there. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to win a couple of playoff games at the very least to get yourself into the Super Bowl. And both teams have done that. And they've showed they could do that from the very start of the season. Yeah, I don't think there's any argument that 
just on a purely metric point of view, these are the two best teams in the NFL at the moment. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I'm totally looking forward to this game. You know, there, there's so many like little matchups to watch throughout the whole thing. Like the um, the Eagles have traditionally not been great versus tight ends, and they're playing against the best tight end in the world at the minute. Um, coming into this, you know, the the Chiefs have not been very good against running. Uh, quarterbacks and here we go one of the best running quarterbacks in the league this year is going up against them so it's it's just a fascinating fascinating matchup overall totally um and that is uh, the first part that i want to have a look at you mentioned about rush the rushing attack of the eagles because it is jalen hurts is a big part of that it's also miles sanders if it's not miles sanders it's boston scott if it's not boston scott it's kind of gain well there's so many different ways that the eagles can run at you with the ball um the chiefs especially in the afc championship game they played the run very well against uh, joe mixon and samari p ryan of the bengals um but this eagles attack has shown all season that they have um, the ability to um, rush on any sort of defense and then I guess like it, it, I guess the, one of the keys to it is if you can keep the ball out of Jalen Hurts's hands as much as you can in terms of throwing it, it it's probably the best scenario possibly is it for the Eagles to win this game yeah I, I think that you're probably right there uh, whenever Jalen Hurts has the ball in his hands he's dangerous right so it might not necessarily be a downfield pass he has got excellent receivers on the outside um, but even when he when when those guys don't get open he is so dangerous with, with his legs they need to continue to force the Eagles into running the football and even then that's going to be so tough to stop so yeah I, I, I'm not sure what way this game is going to go yeah, I think for me, it's going to come down to the trenches. And I feel like I'm going to have come back to this point almost every question you're going to ask, Dara. Because really, if you can dominate that line of scrimmage as a defensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs, it'll put some pressure on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, we know they're a very high-flying offense. Typically, they're doing that from a lead. And typically, they're doing that from a lead that they've developed on the ground. If you can really establish yourself and really establish the line of scrimmage, not just stop the run game from the running backs. We saw the 49ers just about be able to do that for the first quarter of their game against the Eagles, where they wouldn't quite rush as deep as they traditionally had, forcing Jalen Hurts to stay in the pocket. But the key is if you do that, you have to make sure that he also feels the pressure. If they can establish a good pocket around him, we know this year that he has the arm talent to beat you. So I think he got to somehow get a mix of applying the pressure and establishing the line of scrimmage. I think that's going to put the maximum amount of pressure on this Eagles offense that they haven't quite been able to put up against so far this season. And Fionn, with the, you mentioned the in the trenches as well, and we've seen the job, especially in the NFC Championship game, we saw the job that the O-line of the Eagles did on that um, very dangerous front for the 49ers, including Joey Bosa, who was made, uh, you could say, it was just not a part of that game at all for, for large chunks. They really took him out of that game. They knew he was the danger man. When it comes to the Chiefs, 
it's Chris Jones. And Chris Jones, normally more interior sort of defender, um, but can has played a few snaps, um, obviously a percentage, I should say, of the snaps on the outside as well. It's going to be interesting to see where they line him up um, in this game um, to see if they see him, I don't know, on one side, left side of the line, that are the Eagles going to try purposely run the ball away from him? Because it tends to be if it's... N- Chris Jones one side, it's Frank Clark on the other side, and despite of the, um, how can I say, despite like the the, the anonymity of Frank Clark during the regular season, when it comes to these big games, he does seem to show up, get his name in the sack count a couple of times or tackle for a loss. You know, is it going to help the Chiefs? go against this Eagles offensive line if they have a multiple danger men on the defensive line against this O-line rather than the 49ers, like I mentioned, who have that one stud in Nick Bosa. They can give the attention to him and they didn't really have to worry about the rest of the defensive line. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, I'm kind of going on tangents here. Absolutely. No, I think that's absolutely a key and it, it doesn't necessarily give them an upper hand, but it gives that defensive or offensive line, I beg your pardon, an extra wrinkle that they maybe haven't had to face yet, an extra question that you get to ask them on the biggest stage and see if they can hold up against the pressure. If I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, what I think I want to do is start off by establishing that strong line, keeping Hurts in the pocket. If you give up a couple of passes, trust the back end of your defense a little bit in the first quarter. Then as the game goes on, now that you've established that pocket, he doesn't feel comfortable or feel like the... There's a natural space out there for him to roll out to. Then I think he can start bringing pressures up the middle, whether that's blitzing up with your middle linebacker, whether that's putting Chris Jones back in the center if you've had him out on the edge. Just mixing that up, trying to find that weak gap, not giving the defense, the offensive line any rest by. And by no means do I think it's a weak point in this offensive line. I cannot call this. I do not know who has the upper hand. I think they could easily be able to deal with this pressure. The only thing I can say is I think it's a pressure that they haven't had to deal with so far this season. So there's definitely a question mark there for me about whether they can really generate a type of pressure that they haven't had to face so far this season. Yeah, the only one that springs to... We saw the Commanders, another top defensive line. They were able to put the kibosh on on Jalen Hurts, so we'll see. Yeah, I was I was about to mention the uh the the Cowboys as well. They they have obviously got a very strong defensive line there as well. Um and they they did all right versus the Eagles. Um I wouldn't say that they dominated the game and I think that's probably because you have so many stars across that um that O-line for for the Eagles. I mean, when's the last time you could truthfully say you knew three players names off an opposing team's O-line? Like Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata, and Jason Kelsey, all on the same team. Those guys are all probably all pro level. And yeah, that they, they, they're going to deal with whatever pressure comes. Now, it, it will be a case of can Frank Clark and can uh, can Jones get that pressure uh, on maybe a few snaps because they're not be, going to be running right in the backfield for the entire game. Uh, so yeah, it's, a, it's another spot where it's very, very interesting. Um, maybe, just maybe, Chris Jones and Frank Clark have that more experience in the big game than than these boys on the um on the Eagles O line, but still I would not put it past the Eagles O line to dominate on the day. 
Yeah. And actually it's a it's a good part then to to move back in terms of the, the field as well, because Fionn, you mentioned it as well. We we have the weapons that the Eagles have on offense of Dallas Goddard, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith going up against that backfield of the Kansas City Chiefs with okay, the Jerry Sneed is a is a experienced cornerback. He would probably spend most of his time with AJ Brown. But you have a rookie in Trent McDuffie in that game against someone like Devonta Smith, um, which is going to be such a fascinating matchup that it, it could be someone that um, Jalen Hurts targets a lot in this game. Absolutely. And I think it probably will be. I wouldn't be surprised if they go picking on him early in this game. And I think at the Kansas City Chiefs, how well he holds up is going to determine whether or not you can stick to that game plan or what would be my game plan going into this game. I'm putting pressure on that offensive line because if you're not able to set that pass clock going in Jalen Hurts' head and get him off his spot to where he's not feeling comfortable, he has shown they have a great connection. Both of these wide receivers are very, very difficult to guard. So I think it's going to be a key matchup. As you said, Sneed maybe is a little bit more experienced. Maybe you have a little bit more faith in him, but they're going to come after McDuffie. They're going to come after all of these at some point in the game and you need to be stood tall and accounted for otherwise they're going to keep coming after you yeah i think that the, the mcduffie thing is very interesting as well like what what do you do in that situation if aj brown goes out there do you put mcduffie on him and give safety help over the top because we know that even with double coverage aj brown can dominate he loves mossing guys um going up for that deep ball so yeah I, I don't know what you what you really do do you let Snead follow uh, AJ Brown around and if he does you still have Devontae Smith on the opposite side who is capable of doing the same things that AJ Brown does it's yeah dominating offense yeah definitely and let's flip the let's flip the field here and let's uh, let's have a look at the the Chiefs offense because we can't not mention Patrick Mahomes because this is his third Super Bowl he's been to. He's one and one. He We haven't heard much about the ankle injury since the end of the Bengals game. We heard that he came out unscathed from that, which is obviously great to hear. Um, he's, he's not showing up on the injury report, so he's going to be good to go. We still will have to wait and see if he's the Patrick Mahomes that we saw in the Bengals game where he had the ball. He was getting rid of it quickly. He tried his best not to run. If he, Obviously, he only did it if he really, really had to. Um, or we're going to maybe the ankle is healed enough that he can start using his legs more if he wants to. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that. An interesting side and... and uh, Rain, you mentioned it as well, and and I go to you first on this one. That, of course, Travis Kelsey is there. He is the receiver in that team, and that seems to be a weakness of the Eagles' defense this year is that they don't play tight ends well. Right, and even if you play tight ends the best in the league, you're still going to allow yards to uh, Travis Kelsey and probably a touchdown as well. The, the, the guy is just unbelievable uh unguardable for most cases you can double him with the linebacker and a safety he'll outrun the linebacker and he'll out muscle the safety um he lines up all over the 
field. You line up a bit wide. You can line him up in the slot. And he does what he does very, very well. That connection that he has with Patrick Mahomes is almost telepathic. So, yeah, if the Eagles are going to concede points versus the Chiefs, I expect at least some of them to come through the route of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, absolutely. And it's got a knock-on effect for me as well. We saw in the Super Bowl game, against the books that he lost that the books really got him off his spot. They got him to move backwards quite a lot where he was relying on that arm strength to try and get the ball back up to where his receivers were. And I think that was a case of him not being comfortable in that short, quick time frame and trying to extend the plays and very clever books defense to try and force him backwards. If he gets in a rhythm with Travis Kelsey, he's not going to feel that pressure. He's not going to feel that pressure to have to make a play. If he feels Kelsey's always open as his, blanket as the tight ends traditionally are in that kind of short intermediate and they could they could take him and do damage deep as well let's not forget but i think if they establish him as that go-to point which they have done very well this season it could make life very difficult on the eagles defensive front to try and make mahomes feel the pressure because as much as we talk about Hertz's legs and mahomes certainly has a hurt leg he can still do damage and has done in the past so Let's see how healthy it is. That will also be a determining factor. But if it's healthy enough, he's plenty able to break out and get 10, 15, 20-yard games at a time on that leg of his. How long have you been waiting to say that hurts? That just hurts. comes naturally there. That just flows out of <laughs> me. When you talk as much as I talk, these things have a funny way of just falling together. Absolutely not. I can see the script and reflection of your glasses. You've been waiting for age. You've had that written for. Do I have a whole board of all the different ones. <laughs> but no, you are right. Um, interesting on the wide receiver front, though, for the uh, the Chiefs, they put uh, Michael Harmon on IR. He is out for this game. We do not know yet about Kadarius Tony if he's going to make it. Um, he's still questionable at the moment after limping off against the. Um, Bengals, sorry, I lost the team there for a second. Um, and Juju Smith-Schuster as well is still technically questionable, but I think he is in better shape to make it other than um, Tony. I think there's a bigger question mark on him. With the with um, Harman out and what he can do in that passing game with, um, with his speed, it looks as though that responsibility will fall on the shoulders of Sky Moore. And the way we talked, the way I mentioned about Trent McDuffie and defense being a rookie, he's a rookie now, Sky Moore coming into it. He hasn't maybe hit the ground running as he would have liked in Kansas City um, this season, but he, of course, was pivotal in um, the Chiefs setting up that game-winning kick and um, with his punt return in the fourth quarter against the Bengals maybe just maybe he is coming into I'm not say form but maybe he's coming more comfortable with the NFL level at a crucial time two weeks to prep as well Dara let's not forget that's going to be crucial for a rookie like him especially when the playbook kind of goes out the window a little bit it's it's going to be a special playbook you're going to have a lot of special plays specifically for the Super Bowl it could be it could be really good. I think I think wouldn't it be a great story if he had his best game in the Super Bowl and goes off and maybe scores the winning touchdown or something? I think that'll be really cool. That's something I'm definitely rooting for. Yeah, no, I think he, he could have a very pivotal role. I think 
what we've seen from his kick return gives me enough confidence to say that he is going to be a good, good player with the ball in his hands. He just needs to get free at the line of scrimmage. So if he starts taking some lessons off Kadarius Tony, kind of getting open nice and quick, he, when he gets that ball in his hands, he can be as dangerous as the likes of Tyreek Hill or any of those guys because he's got the speed, he's got the vision. Um, so, yeah, I think if they can get him open in this game, he will play a pivotal role. Um, so, yeah, we'll just have to see. The sky is the limit for him. Uh-huh. He did it. He did it. He did glasses it. As well. <laughs> yeah, I can see that too. Bad day to be wearing glasses, boys. You should put your contacts in today. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, I guess uh, before we move on and sort of look at probably winners of this game, is there any sort of area, any other area of the field that we haven't mentioned that you guys are going to be on the lookout for? Special teams. Something always <laughs> Elaborate. That's it. Just something always no more, no okay. more. <laughs> a guy kicks it. Who's some guy special teams? It. Sometimes he doesn't catch it. That's a bad thing. Sometimes the guy doesn't kick it good. That's also a bad thing. Special yeah. teams. Sky cams as well. Watch out for ropes and stuff. Special players mm-hmm. play on special teams. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> also, the sphincters. The sphincters could well play a role in this game. Have I ever told you your insight is pivotal to the success of this show? <laughs> you? Yes. Yes, you have. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, Hey, look, let's give kickers a bit of love here. You know, Harrison Butker has had a underwhelming season by his standards. Jake Elliott has actually had a very, very good season. You know, if you have to pick one um, to take your game-winning kick, who would you rather have? Sky Cam. <laughs> Butker. <laughs> Butker all day long in. for me. Yeah. Yeah, for I go in. Butker, yeah. I go in. He, he, has, he, has, he has the postseason experience. He made the game winner last week. Uh, I think he's going to feel a little bit more comfortable in this game than Jake Elliott is. So if it comes down to a game winner, I'm taking the guy who's made that kick before. I'm going for Elliott. I'm going to go for form over function. Form over function. I like that. I do like that. Um, I'm just having to look. You do know, though, that Jake Elliott was the kicker for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, right? Okay. I didn't, uh, he, but I'm glad I now picked him. Now he has four man function. <laughs> Good. <laughs> now Fionn's uh, pick is even more justified. But hey, look. I'd uh, take I, Joey Sly. Jo- I knew you'd Joey's- take Joey Sly. Of course you would take Joey yeah. Sly. Well, I'm taking Jason Myers then, all right? Fine. All right. And then. Uh, is there anything to be Fionn- said for Brent Maher? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bring him in on a one day contract. <laughs> Just move the goal. As long as he doesn't have to. meters to the left. Yeah, as as long as he doesn't have to kick, uh, doesn't have to kick a you know extra point in any game ever, he should be fine. Uh, I think you were also you were good at just is. kick. You could have just shut it off a kick as long as he doesn't have to kick. Just kicking, just as long as he yeah. doesn't have to kick. <laughs> he can be like the motivator. He'd be like the Mister Motivator on team. It could work, you know. Yeah. Put a blindfold um, on. Don't tell him where he is. He'll have no problem making yeah. them. Then. But hey, look, this is not a football kicker. pitch. <laughs> you are not kicking a football but what we should talk about though we should mention about good kickers and that's Tyg Leader and his kicking academy have you seen the uh, Ross Bulger uh, RTE news sort of piece that they did on him I did you know? see just some clips yeah I thought that was pretty cool yeah. alright 
He was he was brought. I think someone he, needs to give him a contract. Like, I I think someone some college is going to pick up that uh, Ross because I don't know if you saw the video. I think he went over to oops, sorry he went over to a college to try out or a college rep came over to him, but he was obviously practicing his kicking and he's right footed and he says, oh, I can do one left footed if you want. And the coach is like, no way, you can't do that. I don't believe you for a second. Kicks it left footed right in the corner, like on the two yard line. The coach is ah, like, you know, going absolutely insane. Um, and that video has gone viral, which is great. Um, the kicking academy that Tiger Leader set up is absolutely fantastic. It's given people an opportunity and more Irish players to go over and represent Ireland in uh, in colleges and hopefully soon in the NFL. Um, but uh, like I said, a big shout out to Tiger Leader and the Kicking Academy for that. We are going to take a quick break. No, we're not. I'm sorry. We're not going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm very sorry. I have to do predictions. The most I have to do part. predictions. I'm very, very sorry. And Fionn, because you reminded me, you get to go first. Eagles versus Chiefs. Who are you going to go with? And I want... Your MVP choice as well. Okay, no problem. Can't be Jason Kelsey. That's okay. Uh, (laughs) I was going to go for the Kansas City Chiefs to win. I think it's going to be a decent battle. I think it's going to be split offense, defense. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a defensive slugfest. There's going to be a little bit of offense in it. I'm going to go 24-21 Kansas City Chiefs. And Kelsey is going to win the MVP. (laughs) Travis. <laughs> Travis? Kelsey Travis? is going to win the MVP. Okay. All right. Ah, Kelsey will win an MVP. Good. Uh, for me, it comes down to who has the big game experience. As I said with the kicker, you know, Jake Elliott, never done it before. Never done it before. No, but in terms of <laughs> offense, Patrick Mahomes has been in this game three times out of the last four. That's going to stand to him in this game. He is not going to have the same nerves that Jalen Hurts is. Super Bowl 50 still gives me panic attacks to this day. That game was over before it got started. And the Carolina Patenters were the better team the entire season. So when it comes down to a Super Bowl, it doesn't really matter what your form is. It matters how your bottle is. And does uh, Hurts have the bottle? He might. But for me... I'm taking Patrick Mahomes in this game. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. And as Fionn said, you know, that this is set up to be a high-scoring game with two high-scoring offences. That's not going to happen because it never does. It's going to be 24-18, and I'm taking Patrick Mahomes as my Super Bowl MVP. Okay. Okay. I like that. I do. I really do like that. Um. I came across an interesting stat for this game. Um, And it could be an omen. It might not be. Because for me, I'm finding it very hard to separate these two sides. I think that it's going to be a really high-scoring affair. Um, The point spread at the moment is 50 at the time of recording. Um, So I might think it could be over. I was looking at the stats since... 2014 okay only twice has the designated home team so the team not wearing their white jerseys won the Chiefs are wearing white jerseys this Sunday because the the Eagles are the designated home side 
I'm going to go with the Chiefs on this one to keep the, the tradition alive, you know. Um, the white clean jerseys up there on the, on the podium after the game. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes as my MVP. I know, very boring choice, but look, listen, the winning quarterback normally always wins it, unless you're Cooper Cup, who won it last year. Um, or Kelsey. Which I was. Oh, I'm not even allowed to bet on. Paddy Bauer has banned me. You could actually, you could probably do that, like ask Paddy Power thing, and yeah, they'd say, "Yeah, that. give me, give me the odds on uh, Jason Kelsey to be MVP." Um, but it could work. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. Uh, high scoring game, and I'm gonna go with Patrick. Sorry, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes as the MVP for the Super Bowl. Uh, like I said, now we are gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we are delighted to bring you our interview we recorded earlier on this week with Joy Taylor from Fox Sports 1. Of course, she is the host of the show Speak. Um, she, it was a great chat, and we will bring it to you momentarily. And you're welcome back to the Under Center podcast with myself, Dara, and I have Fionn alongside me too, but we're not alone. We are delighted to welcome on our second guest for our Super Bowl show. You may have seen her on Speak on FS1 um, of also previously on the Colin Coward show as well. Joy Taylor. Joy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. I'm sure it's quite a busy week leading up to the Super Bowl and we really appreciate any sort of time that you have for us today. No, I'm happy to be here. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Um, first question I always ask with, with the guests and stuff as well. Um, have you ever been to Ireland or have you got any plans to go to Ireland? I haven't been to Ireland, but I do have plans to come to Ireland. I will be in Ireland in a, well, I guess in a month or so. Yeah, in a month. So I've never come before, but I'm bringing my mother. It was her 70th birthday this last week, and uh, she's always wanted to go. So I am taking her uh, on a mother-daughter trip to Ireland. So we're going to go to Dublin, which I'm very excited about. Nice. Oh, excellent. Excellent stuff. And have you got a... Have you got your trip planned out? If you know exactly where, where you need to go? Yeah, I'm a big itinerary person. I, I like to travel <laughs> a lot and I, I I leave room for a little chaos, you know, for, for a little adventure. But especially if it's somewhere I haven't been before and there's things I really hmm. want to see, I always find it's nice to, you know, check and see if you need tickets for something. You know, if there's a recommended time you need to go, if something's going to close at a certain time you know, do a little research. So you're not just running around and, you know, feeling like you miss stuff. So, um, yeah, we have a, we have a pretty, pretty solid itinerary. I'm very excited about it. What What's top of the list? What's your favorite thing you're looking forward to the most? Well, we're going to go to the cliffs of more, which I'm very excited Excellent. about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a big game of Thrones fan, so I'm going to go nerd out there. And, uh, I'm also pretty excited. She's a big whiskey drinker my mom and uh so we're gonna check out the it's the jameson uh yeah take your pick yeah yeah every third corner is a whiskey distillery (laughs) in dublin so you'll be all right i'm a uh i'm we're from pittsburgh originally Uh, she was born and raised there obviously lived there most of her life and i was born and raised in pittsburgh and pittsburgh is it's pretty well known for its its pubs as well and actually as a as a really fun saint patrick's day parade in a big irish community there so um where she's we're we're ready. I feel we're ready. Good, I'm not good. I'm not like twenty five year old joy ready, but I'm gonna you know I'm gonna harken back to that for for that week and, and see what we could do. Yeah. Well, for the whiskey distillery especially, it's great because 
there's so many different things you can do. So you can do the walking tour. There's like a, a whiskey tasting tour you can also do. Um, we actually were at one a couple of weeks ago. It was a cocktail making class, um, oh. which was great. So we went and um, it's a big round table and they have all the ingredients in front of you. And so I think we made a, a whiskey sour and an old fashioned. Um, he runs you through it and you make it there. And it, it was actually a really, really good experience. I love an old fashioned. So that, that yeah. will be something we look into. Also, just a, a little tip as well. If you happen to be there early or if you have some time afterwards, there is a great pub um, just a little up from it called the Cobblestone. Um, okay. It's it's great. First of all, the, it's, the Guinness is fantastic. Um, next of all, then that is where you would get a lot of traditional Irish music in it as well. Oh, okay. um, that they they always have people playing like in a corner or something like that and everyone's just there standing with their point just enjoying the music having a good time it's definitely worth going to um for a, a little sense of like proper irishness there that maybe you wouldn't normally see like if you're on itineraries planning for instance the cobblestone the cobblestone yeah okay all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna have you guys send that to me afterwards. We'll send it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, we'll I, send need, it I need the local recommendations too. So, yeah, no problem. We will definitely send that on afterwards for sure. But um, one other question I have to ask you before we get into obviously the serious matters of the football and stuff like that for the for the Super Bowl itself. If you're at home watching it, what is the Super Bowl snack of choice then that you would have to have for it? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big wings person, so I as of right now will be home watching the Super Bowl. We'll be there live during the week, but because we do a show here in the studio, I'm in my dressing room at the studio. We do a, sh a show live on from LA on Monday. I usually come back to LA even after the Super Bowl coverage. So as I'm I'm probably not going to Super Bowl this year. I will probably be home, and I will be ordering lemon pepper wings. Oh, nice. Nice lemon pepper wings is a good one. Um, we don't sort of have that much here if you want for not a big need for lemon pepper. It's mostly just as a barbecue and buffalo at the moment. Yeah, well, uh, you, yes, see the, you, gotta, you gotta get the lemon pepper. Yeah, there. and yeah. the Super Bowl's in the middle of the night for us, so like we kind of already had our dinner. It's a little bit uh, of uh, yeah. midnight snacking, so super spicy hot wings don't don't lend itself well to going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, Bowl, you might want to stick to some pretzels or something. Yeah. That's a that's a typical sort of DB line right there. Like, actually, enjoy a little sighting. We uh we actually play on a, a football team here in Ireland, American football team, and uh, they're called the North Dublin Pirates. And, and Fiona's uh actually our star safety, so that's why he's talking nice. about not eating too heavy in the middle of the night. But see now me. <laughs> I'm a D lineman, so I'm like, if you want to give me wings at half eleven at night or half eleven in the morning, just give me the wings. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta you know bulk up, play that position. Exactly. It's it's bulking season three sixty five for me, you know. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but actually also another person who is um doing quite well playing football is actually I noticed it, your nephew, Mason. He's had a great uh, freshman year there, LSU. He is. I'm very proud of him. He is he's a true footballer. He loves to play football. He's He's into it from the moment he started playing. It's really in him. And I'm really proud of him. He had a great freshman season. He's a true freshman also. So he didn't redshirt. So he went straight from high school to LSU and had that performance this year and is now 
minted into the you know LSU lore with that win over Alabama. So um, he's he's done a great job, and I'm I'm excited to see what they do next season with a another year of Coach Kelly's recruiting and and development there. So it was exciting for us. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, being the auntie as well, you, 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 I'm sure you're not afraid to say to him as well, Mason, <laughs> if you had a bad game, I'm going to be telling everybody. <laughs> everyone no, everyone on know, speak is going to know. <laughs> I'm a big softie. I mean, he didn't really have, you know, bad games, but I, I, I do, I'm a big softie with them. Um, I'm not quite as hard on them as I am, you know, the, the professional players. But, I, you know, I think in college in general, I'm a little bit softer with, you know, critiquing these, you know, these are, I don't like to call them kids because they're young men and, and young women, but you know, they're not professionals and the expectations should be as such, you know, when you get paid to do something, I mean, I get paid to do this. I should be held to a, to a standard of that, you know, there's expectations that come with that. So, you know, I, I think for, for college kids in general, and I am, I'm sure you guys understand how insane college football fans are, uh, particularly SEC fans, it's a, definitely a lifestyle. And it's also, it's difficult for, you know, us as older adults to process negative feedback and social media feedback. So I had the privilege at 36 years of age of growing up. Uh, I remember before the internet. So I certainly remember before social media. And you know, I, I've grown a callous towards that kind of feedback. And, you know, I do feel for young people who are in any kind of business, whether it's, you know, just, you know, being a, a pop star, being a football player, being a volleyball player, you know, anytime that you're in the public eye as a, as a young person dealing with that kind of, you know, just feedback in general, because I don't think that we're really programmed to get this much feedback, good or bad as humans, like we should just not know how this many people feel about us. So there's a lot to process. But um, for, for that reason, I'm, I'm a big softie with them. You know, I try to make sure that they, they stay encouraged and don't pay too much attention to what people are saying, you know, when you lose or things don't go your way, because they're very fickle, they're going to, you know, love you when everything is great. And they're going to say terrible things about you when everything is bad. And, you know, you should strive to find a place where you can stay level-headed about all of it and, and really ignore the, the good and the bad from it. Yeah, and it, it is. It's fascinating because I, I kind of, when it comes to especially college football, because you have these sort of like diehard, you know, especially like if you're from that this place, this is your team, you know, college football. It's similar over here because we have our local game, like GA Gaelic football. Like if you're born in a county similar to a state like that's your team and people people are so you know engrossed in it when it comes to that season that like um they just want the best for it and like you're saying it can be tough sometimes to understand that like okay these guys are college students you know they're they're going to mess up we have to allow it but it, it kind of they have to do they to try and think like that but then they also be like well like this is still my team and i still want them to win Right, right. And it's, it's hard as fans to balance that because fan is short for fanatic. And, you know, none of this, none of this, what we do is reasonable when you really think about it. <laughs> so it's, it is kind of hard to stay balanced. But, you know, that's, that's why for me, even when I, you know, do the show every day, it's important to remember, you're talking about, you know, human beings who are doing their best, you know, and are, are trying 
to win. And, you know, there's nobody out there who's like, I don't care if we win or lose. So even if it's just, you know, I want to win because I'm going to make more money, there's everyone has different motivations. So just, just keep in mind that, you know, somebody has to lose. And sometimes it's not because they don't care or because they're stupid or because they, you know, aren't good. There's got to be a winner and a loser. And the winner gets to tell the story and the loser has to deal with the negativity. That's how it goes. But it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the end all be all. Well, while we're on that point, Joy, there I think there's no greater example of that than the Super Bowl. It's two the two best teams that have played all season. They are the two best teams, but one of them's going to lose this thing. And there's two quarterbacks involved. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is becoming quickly a legend of the NFL at the moment. Uh, Jalen Hurts has played outstanding this season after maybe a little bit of criticism the season prior. Has he faced, in your opinion, pressure like this so far in his young career and do you think maybe it's going to make life a little bit more difficult for him in this Super Bowl because Mahomes has been there done that he he has a little bit of a rhythm he kind of knows how the day and the week is going to fall and how it's going to pan out does that play in at this level in your in your experience oh yeah I definitely think it matters I mean Super Bowl week is crazy for us so Super Bowl week for the players is really chaotic. There's a lot going on. You're having to do a lot of different things. Your routine is totally messed up. Um, it's obviously a ton of pressure. You're preparing in a different place. You know, there's there's just a lot of factors. And I, nothing is everything, but everything is something. And when you have that experience, to your point, Mahomes knows what to expect, what he's walking into, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like you know, experience in these games matters. Now, will it end up mattering? Who knows? We have to watch the game and see what happens. We've seen, we were talking about uh, Nick Foles earlier, you know, for the Philadelphia Eagles just a few years ago. I mean, he's not Tom Brady. Tom Brady obviously had much more experience than Nick Foles in the NFL, let alone in, you know, Super Bowl games. And it just didn't matter. So, you know, I do think it's something. And I think that Jalen Hurts is the type of player that, he will handle it well. He's he's not somebody who gets too high or too low. He's obviously shown that he's a, he's a leader and, and can play at, at a high level. And he's overcome some things this year. He's obviously still dealing with an injury as well as Patrick Mahomes is. So I have faith that he'll he'll play a poised game. But you know, the, it is it is a different week for sure. It's a really you know a different two weeks because you're you're rehabbing. You're making sure that you're healthy. Then you're traveling out to Arizona. You're getting set up in your hotel you're finding out, you know, where you're getting your food from, like all these little things that you don't have to think about during the regular season and don't have to think about when you're home, you know, they all play a factor in how much sleep you're getting and all those things. So again, it could matter. It could not, but uh, it is going to be a different week. Sorry, we can't hear you. Sorry about that. I was going to say, uh, I was in the middle of a great point there. And I'm after losing. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll continue on anyway. But um, I was going to say the extended media coverage that comes with Super Bowl week as well. Um, you know, a lot of guys obviously appearing on, on TV shows and then obviously the, the press conferences as well is more intense than it has been obviously with a normal game week too, which is something for like, like, where Hurts and any other player who's gone to their first Super Bowl as well, that they, they, they haven't experienced it before and it's going to be all new to them too. 
Yeah, it, it is going to be different for everybody, all the all the new young players. And it's a huge stage. You know, there's there's a lot of pressure. It's your whole season. In some cases, your whole career will come down to this one game and this one moment. And generally, Super Bowls that are, you know, tightly contest, contested come down to one play. So to one person's mistake or one person's, you know, great play. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very intense atmosphere for for the players and and keep in mind also the coaches as well you know you can kind of get into your own head you have to make quick decisions and situational football and Andy Reid is a great coach who has a lot of experience at, the, at a high level including a Super Bowl and coaching in another Super Bowl and this is Nick Sirianni who is a young coach his big first big moment like this so um, you know I think they're two really evenly matched teams the Philadelphia's roster is obviously much deeper than the Kansas City Chiefs. But when you look at the experience at the coaching position, at their leadership positions, and of course, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you know, I think, I think we got the two best teams in the league, obviously the, the two one seeds, and we're going to get a, a, I'm hoping for a really great game. Hmm. How do you approach this week? Because obviously it's, as you said, it's it's almost two weeks. And you, you mentioned as well at the start of the show is like everything is something, but it's also nothing. And on the media side of things, how do you guys, is it tough for you guys? Is it your Super Bowl? If there's a lot of media coverage, you're interviewing a lot of players. Nowadays, they're very media trained. Every once in a while, we get a Marshawn Lynch who says, I'm not here, so I don't get fine. And everyone loves that. But how how do you guys do? Is it a lot more background research trying to find that nugget trying to find that information that that golden piece of news or or text or snippet that that makes it interesting that isn't just the same as what everyone else has got sorry about that no problem um no it definitely it definitely is our super bowl too um well we're not reporters at least on on our show so you know we don't we sort of react to what the you know, the, the reporters are giving us from the press conferences, but you know, it is, it's where everyone's covering the same thing. You know, we're all covering the same game. We're all using the same sound bites. We're all following the same Twitter beefs and all, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to find a new angle and to find something that makes your coverage unique when, you know, everyone is, is talking about the same interviews and everyone is using the same Mahomes soundbite. And a lot of the same players are going around in the, you know, in the car wash to different shows. So yeah, it is, it is, it's a challenge to find a, a, you know, a fresh angle on a, on a game that you've really covered for two weeks, because, you know, once the championship games are done and we know who's going to be in the Super Bowl, we really have two weeks of shows to do. (laughs) Now we've gotten a lot of news this week outside of the Super Bowl with Tom Brady Mm -hmm. retiring and, Sean Payton getting hired with the Broncos and D'Amico Ryan's getting hired with the Texans. And now we have some Aaron Rodgers news. So we've gotten some other stuff, which has broken up the, you know, the Super Bowl coverage a little bit, but yeah, you're, you're always trying to find, um, find new angles and do the best show because this is when, you know, the whole world is watching. I'm sure the Pro Bowl as well will get five or 10 minutes of airtime at some point over the next week. I don't know. How do you think this is going to play out? It's a little bit off topic, but, uh, What's your the what's Pro Bowl? your take on the new on the new Pro Bowl scheme? 
I think they had to do something. Yeah. You know, it's the game. Everyone knows nobody was really trying in those games. And it's kind of almost dangerous because you guys know you play football. If you're not trying, then it's always somebody this dangerous out there, you know, not taking it serious. And then someone gets hurt. And I mean, God forbid you get hurt in the Pro Bowl. Um, and it just fans know fans know it's not it's not serious. So I think we'll see. We'll see what the the skills, you know, the flag football thing looks like. I will say, I don't really find the NBA all-star game itself to be that interesting. I mean, it's all offense, although, it, you know, it, it, it matters a little bit more now. But, I mean, this three-point contest, the dunk contest, the skills competition, even the celebrity game, like, all that's, like, interesting and fun. It's not – we're not watching it, like, compelled, you know, but it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to watch. We don't take it too seriously. And, you know, it's cool to be the three-point winner at the at the All-Star. It's cool to win the dunk contest. We talk about those things. So it could be the pivot that the Pro Bowl needed because we have example. Like, to me, I love the home run derby for baseball. I don't really care about watching the game that much, you know. It, I mean, it, again, like, they've, they've done things that make it matter. But, like, to me, the home run derby is really fun. It's not that serious, but, like, it's cool to win the home run derby. And they've made some changes to it that make it really compelling. And you have a clock, and there's a little more urgency to it. So, we'll see. I'm optimistic that the changes will help it become more interesting. Um, I'm here for content. So, if they can find something that makes it urgent, then I'm all here for it. Because it wasn't working before. So, I will say, I'll give them credit for pivoting. Yeah. I think that's what, like even just seeing online when it comes around the Pro Bowl time, the one sort of video I see reoccurring every year is when they used to do the, the long throw competition back in the 90s. And obviously, they, they're very, I think it's, are they come off the, the long drive this year competition that they're, that they're bringing in. So any sort of thing that just makes it a little more interesting and will help, I think, was it during the COVID year when they couldn't have it, they played Madden together it was different and I think that had people's eyes on it because it was different and it wasn't the usual one because like seeing Mac Jones run for a 60 yards quarterback keeper last last season and, and having like 40 yards of, of green grass with no one going after him I think people then realize like yeah these guys just they're they're, they're as uninterested as we are watching it and it, it was definitely worth time for a change for sure um Joy before we before we let you go, I'd love to 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 know about how things are going with with speak because obviously it's different to what you were doing previously with Colin because that was obviously more one on one and this one now is kind of a more round table and you're getting to give your point of view a lot more on this show as well and how have you found the transition over? So I loved working with Colin. It was a it was a great run that we had on the show. We really enjoyed working with each other. We're still very good friends. Um, and it was, you know, it was time for me to transition into a space where, you know, I was a, a full-time opinionist, you know, I wasn't in a role anymore. And, you know, it was my show as much as anyone else's on the show and speak has been great. I mean, the guys are really fun to work with. We have a lot of fun every day, which is, you know, which is always great <laughs> when you can enjoy your job and the people that you work with. So, we, we get to, you know, have a lot of input in the topics that we do and we're really passionate, you know, speakers and try to do a show that really reflects our personalities and what we're interested in and, you know, what we, we find compelling and hope that the, you know, the viewer finds it compelling too. So it's, it's been really fun. I've really enjoyed this season. 
Um, I'm excited to do some live shows from Super Bowl from Arizona. And I, I've enjoyed it. It's been a it's been a pretty seamless transition. Um, really from every show that I've done on Fox from Undisputed to Heard because I did a lot of fill-in work on Heard before I came over from Undisputed and then moving from from Heard to Speak, I had done similar fill-in work on Speak. So I'd worked with the guys before coming over. So it's um it's been very great. I really enjoyed it. And um, I hope everyone else is enjoying watching it too. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 been it's been fantastic. It now it's tough for us over here with the time difference, but definitely catching up on it is 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 fantastic. And I, I just I want to ask as well because you mentioned obviously your time with Undisputed, and I, I listened to you on a previous podcast talk about you know putting the shows together, and I think you mentioned that um, when you were with Skip and Shannon, you would have say a fifteen minute sort of prep together, and then they would go off with their producers and sort of work out the show. Whereas with Colin, it was kind of more of like a two hour meeting with sort of running through everything wanting to to get everything covered which sort of side of that would you prefer yourself personally and and then probably on the back of that then what sort of uh, how does it work there on speak at the moment so i'm sort of in the middle which is kind of what we do on speak so we will have our our topics lined up early in the morning or the night before and then obviously we see what changes throughout the day and I will prep with my producer, my personal producer, and I'll go over, you know, we'll have each topic and okay, this is the question. These are statistics I, that I would need for this. Let's build a, you know, a graphics when we talk about this. Um, let's pull this piece of tape, whatever. So we'll go through the whole show, myself and the producer, and then I'll come to work, you know, do hair and makeup, and then we'll do a meeting all together. So we'll do a half an hour meeting uh, about an hour before the show where you know, the four of us and all of our producers are together in a room and we go through and see where everybody is on each topic. Sometimes we'll really get into it and kind of do the whole segment in the meeting and then have to be like, okay, save it for TV. <laughs> We're getting like too excited about this. We need to save this energy for the show. Um, and then sometimes we just bounce to the topic, like, okay, this is where you are. So, so we can know like who we should go to first. If somebody has a specific story, that's kind of cool on this topic. Uh, obviously Shady has a lot of stories. So sometimes we'll go to him or if it's a Cowboys topic, it makes sense to go to Dave first. So we're sort of a hybrid where we do a ton of prep overall, obviously, which all the shows do, but we do some of it together and the bulk of it apart. And, but it's a longer meeting and a more involved meeting than Undisputed. So we truly are the hybrid of those two styles. And it works for our show because we have more people on our show in four. And there's, you know, two on obviously on either of those shows. And the show length, our show is an hour and a half. Undisputed is two and a half hours. Obviously, Heard is three hours. And also Heard is a radio show. So the format is really different between Heard and Undisputed, which is a debate show. So it makes sense for them not to really know where they're, what they're really going to say. Like they need to just kind of know the direction that each other is going in. And heard, it's really important to kind of flush all of it out because you have a lot of time to fill. So you want to make sure that, you know, the topics that you have will fill that time. So every show has such different structure and beats that the prep is different, but that's, that's sort of where we are, which is like a hybrid of the two of those styles. Yeah. And I guess it is important as well that you don't talk about about the topics maybe too much because if there is sort of takes that you want to give, you don't want to give that away because you want the reaction from the the the, the co-host to be organic and maybe not manufactured as if they've heard it before. Right. 
Right. Well, sometimes we just, we're so passionate about the topic. It just doesn't matter. or We're going to react the same regardless, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to kind of drop something on somebody on TV and know, you know, that, that organic response is, is fun also. So, um, so look, listen, Joy, very last question. Uh, who's going to win on Sunday? So honest answer. I don't know yet. I, I usually save my pick for Friday before the Super Bowl. Um, you know, there's a lot that can happen between now and then, but I really, I truly think they're very evenly matched teams. A lot of people are kind of selling the chiefs as underdogs in this game, which I am not buying. I don't think that the chiefs roster is as bad as everyone is saying it is. And they also have Travis Kelsey and Andy Reed. So outside of Mahomes, they, they have some, some pretty impressive weapons and return players that have been in the system for a while. So they're kind of trying to build it like that. Like it's a scrappy underdog chiefs. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not buying that. The, the, the roster for Philadelphia is very deep for sure. And they have some Super Bowl winning players that were there when they won in 2017, 2018. But, you know, for every position, you know, you've got Andy Reid versus Nick Sirianni. Okay. It's way more experience championship, you know, whatever. Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. Obviously Patrick Mahomes is the best young player in the league you know, what's your best, best quarterback in the league. What's, what is Jalen Hurts going to do in this game? He's, you know, he's an all pro this year also, but then you just go down top to bottom. I think they've, they've had really similar seasons and I think it's, I'm hoping for a really great game. You know, I don't, I'm not a fan of either of these teams in the sense that like, I'm a fan of the Dolphins or the Steelers, you know, um, I, I love both, what both of these organizations have done this year so uh, I know I'm skirting around your answer, but I just really think this is like, if I can't be outraged for anyone's pick. There are some mm. Super Bowls where I'm like, are you serious? Like, obviously this team's going to win, but this is not one of those situations. So um, I'm looking forward to watching hopefully a really great game. And because uh, the, you know, the championship weekend was a, was a little, you know, disappointing. I mean, the second half of Bengals Chiefs was, was exciting, but you know, I'm hoping that, you know, as fans, we just get to watch a really great game. But I, I, I will give my pick on Friday, for sure, probably during the show. Um, and I'm, I'm honestly don't know what I'm, which way I'm going as of yet. <laughs> That's okay. Who do you That's guys think? Right. Uh, ooh, see, now we're putting us out. We're not giving our pick until Friday. Okay, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> There's no scoops. There's no scoops going today. <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. See, uh, I know who Fionn would prefer to win because Fionn's actually a Commanders fan, so he doesn't want the Eagles to win. I know okay. that for sure. That's um, For me, like, there's no ill will or anything for that being a Seahawks fan, so I don't mind. So, I don't know. I I like Andy Reid, so I, I would I'd like the Chiefs to win. So I'd say the Chiefs. Well, there you go. You guys are you know, you guys are already feuding. There we That's go. That's what it's all about. Oh, we always are. <laughs> We always are. That's what makes the good show. So we, we're always at each other's neck a little bit. But um, Joy, listen, we really appreciate the time you've given us today. Um, we hope you enjoy Super Bowl. We are. We hope you enjoy Ireland as well when you are over. Thank you. Cobblestone, right? The cobblestone. Cobblestone. Yeah. Don't worry. Cobblestone. I will. Okay. I will. I will email you that there um, as soon as we're finished, so that we that you know for sure. Um, and if you haven't already booked before, have a look at Jemison for those different tours that you can do. I would really recommend the cocktail making class. It's really good. Okay. I will look into both of those. My friend actually sent the itinerary earlier today, so I'm going to tell her to add that stuff. 
<laughs> excellent stuff excellent stuff listen again thanks so much enjoyed Super Bowl weekend um, like I said enjoy uh, Ireland when you get over thank you guys thank you for having me thank you and you're welcome back to the final part of our Super Bowl preview show here on the Under Center podcast Dara Fjord and Rian here with you we've given our views on the game we've given our predictions let's talk about a few bets for this game that could be quite tasty ones to look at and um, we're going to do we're going to go around the table twice first time we're going to talk about a bet builder that we're liking the second one is going to be some interesting prop bets that are normally around for this game and that could be a fun one to put on and um Fion um as the betting um what can I say? Guru. Betting master? Guru. I was going to say master, but guru sounds good too. If you want to do that, we'll use that. As a betting guru, um, what is your bet builder that you're liking the look of most in this game on Sunday? So it's the Super Bowl. I wanted to be positive. I've kind of split this over two, uh, two bets. My first one is I'm going on the receiving yards. We're going to go Devontae Smith over 63 and a half. AJ Brown over 72 and a half. Travis Kelsey over 79 and a half and Isaiah Pacheco over 16 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I'm going to hit the over on all four of them. And then of course you can't not put a bet on the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go both quarterbacks over on their rushing yards and under on their throwing yards, passing yards. Now how much squiller are we making out of that film? We're making out all oh, the first one. They'll give you 12 to one. On the second one, they'll give you nine to one. Okay, decent odds. So if we hit it, we get about 23 quid. Me personally, I'm a little pussy. I'm going with a three-leg bet builder. And I'm going the Kansas City Chiefs to win outright. I'm going the under on points total. And here's my outsider that makes you the bit of money. If he's fit, Kadarius Tony. Anytime touchdown scorer, that'll give you 16 to 1 on this. And I think it's a very good bet builder. It's not a bad, it's not a bad bet builder. You're going to need him to survive, though. You're going to need him to make the game. Yeah. Get that cash out like real quick as soon as you see the like rosters come in. Yeah. You see, if that, if that goes, if he, if he goes out of the game and that becomes a null bet, you're, you're, the odds are nothing. They're like one and a half to one. So yeah, not good. Not good. No, but that's not too bad. Um, I have one that can add in. You can add in an extra leg to this, which will increase the odds, which I like. But if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. So my first one is if I have it here. Sorry, the one time I need the app to work and it's not working for me. It's great, isn't it? Um, where are you? There you are. Okay, so. First bet is uh I I'm like the over as well. At the moment, the it's 50.5, so I'm gonna go with the over. Um I have Devontae Smith over 63 and a half yards. I have Jalen Hurts to be under 238 yards throwing. I then have Patrick Mahomes to be over um 19 and a half yards uh, rushing. So I think his ankle is going to be okay for him to rush. Even if it's not, I think he rushed for over that anyway in the Bengals game with a bum ankle. So I think that will work. That is getting you odds of about 22 to 1. Now, I like the idea 
of throwing in an anytime touchdown scorer on this as well. And I like the idea of Jarek McKinnon. Um, he is his go-to guy in the red zone. And if you are to go with that, it bumps the odds up to 58 uh, to 1. So that's a big jump. That is a huge jump. If you want to throw even 50 cent on that, you can throw 50 cent on that. But there's sort of two that I'm looking at. I'm still undecided whether or not I want to throw in the, the Jarek McKinnon. An interesting one that I was tempted to add in, if you want to substitute in Jarek McKinnon, put in Jalen Hurts as an anytime touchdown scorer. You know when they get close to the two-yard line, they have that quarterback sneak where everybody just pushes him over. It could happen. It's one to look at as well. Um, but let's go for some prop bets. And uh, Rian, actually, I'll start with you first on this one. What's an interesting prop bet that you like to look at? I'm going to go with the only reason anybody watches the Super Bowl at all, and that's the halftime show. We have my namesake, Riri, performing at the halftime show. And I'm telling you, put all your money on Run This Town as the first song. Now, Paddy Power don't have the odds up yet. Shit form Paddy Power. But I bet you it's going to be long odds because it's a collaboration. So put all your money on Run This Town. For Who me, she sing that way? Uh, Jay-Z. Oh, okay. So will he be there? Unlikely. Well, uh, we'll see. For me, I think there's only one obvious bet here. We all agree that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And why would they drink any other color of Gatorade other than red Gatorade? The Gatorade's going to be red. Slam it. Put all your money on it. There's no other way. There's no other color it could be. Is there even a red Gatorade? I don't know. But it's got to be red Gatorade for the Kansas City Chiefs going all over. And... Andy Reid to drink every drop of it off himself. <laughs> but they have like blue flavor. They have to have red flavor. No, like they do have red flavor. Or something. They do have, it's red orange. Yeah. I, I, I red always orange. go with blue. Okay. I, I always go with blue because there's two flavors of blue. So you're, you're doubling your chances there. Fruit punch is red. Fruit punch. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's all right. I actually did look at the, um, the Gatorade color, and I'm actually going with orange. I think I like. Well, I think you can get odds of orange for three to one. What's red? I didn't even see the odds anywhere. I think <laughs> red is the favorite. Oh well, yeah, obviously it's the favorite. It's the most obvious one. Yeah, watch. It's going to be something like green or white or something. It's always a weird color. They always know because it's one of the biggest prop bets on it. Mm. Um, but what about the coin toss? Over under yeah. 50 seconds in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Heads and tails are both the same, obviously. Um, yeah. I wonder what it's the odds. Who cares? We're not I, degenerate gamblers. Only degenerate you... bet on 50 50. I, I'd like to see the odds, like or not the odds, the history on it. I, I'd say it's probably I have the, the I have the history. I have okay. the history right here. Shout out oh, oh, I, was, I was prepared for this. Right. So in the last nine years, okay. Heads has what it's been heads three out of nine times, and the other six have obviously been tails. Now, here's an interesting one if you want to put a bet on after the coin toss. The last eight teams to win the coin toss have gone on to lose the game. 
So if you're okay. not sure who you want to win, if you're not sure who you think is going to win the game, wait until the coin toss. And then these fans, fans, these are what you call coincidences. And uh, you should never look at them for betting. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you always smash well, no, the on. over the, on Anthem The NFL time. is scripted. So, of course, this happens. Oh, true. Yeah. Apparently, there's a documentary coming out. Vince McMahon was involved. Yeah. <laughs> it's over was. on the Anthem time, Dara. There's always some L1 standing there squawking it out as long as she possibly can. Some irrelevant Who pop star from 1973. I don't know. It was some drunk country music star last year, and he just he just wanted it over with. He was like, "And the land of the free," and walked off. See you later. Yeah, country music star Chris Stapleton will hit the stage on Sunday at Super Bowl to sing the national anthem. So, who is? So yeah, he is. Oh, he's a he's a country singing, long haired, long beard cowboy. Yep, it's my spirit animal. It's going to the the over. Hit the under. Country music boys, I would say they hit don't the have under. that long note. I would say hit the under. I say if, yeah, I'm going to go with the, I'd say if it was like a pop star or something like that, you know, or something, um, I'd say hit the over because they obviously want to hit those higher notes and make them longer. But for country music star, yeah. You normally get what, two minutes, 10 seconds or something Stick. is the betting line. What about sticking 50 cent on the rock to show up and shy talk for 28 seconds? What, you what might want to on, get on to Paddy Power get, about that. What odds could we get on like I'm glass breaking while he's talking Paddy and Paddy, what's 50 cent on there to be a power outage during, during the Super Bowl? I'll be right. You can bet on absolutely anything today uh, on this game. Um, which is absolutely fantastic because I love it. It's just because you can make the most craziest bets and you know what? It could actually, they could actually work out. Um, what was it? There was one that's an interesting one that I saw that I didn't bring up. Um, the the pair, the position to score the first touchdown. What would you go with? Offensive line. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I should Jason, have asked. That's how Jason come in the Super Bowl. A rollout, a fake pull, declare Fumble himself eligible. Fake pull end zone pass. Oh, okay. I shouldn't have um, asked. I shouldn't have asked. I'll go, I'll go on tight end. Tight end. You have Goddard and oh, yeah. you have uh, Kelsey there. That's a that's a good shout. One of the balls well, Brett Maher kicked about three weeks ago lands in the end zone <laughs> and counts as a touchdown. You are going to be very disappointed on Monday evening eating dinner when all this stuff doesn't happen. It's yeah. going to keep me occupied anyway. It's going to keep me enthralled. <laughs> anyway, I think this the is the camp. perfect place to... Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Ruin the outro. <laughs> just, just, just like Brett Kern's punt. Just like the actual Sky, sky Cam. My, my outro gets blocked by the Sky Cam. Right. This is officially where we are ending this show. Fionn, don't make me have to kick you off this now. I know you're excited. It's the end of the season. It's been a long season. I really appreciate all the effort you guys have been putting in this year. It's been fantastic having you as part of it. But this is where we're going to end this edition of the show. Like and subscribe to us on YouTube, Under Center Podcast. Follow us on our socials at Under Center Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. 
under Center Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts as well. We will be back next week to review the show. Um, maybe Fionn will be um, done watching the game by then. We don't know. Probably not. But, lads, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Much appreciated. And we hope you enjoy the game on Sunday, wherever you are watching it. And Fionn, I do hope you enjoy the game on Monday when you do watch it too. I Hopefully will. it I does will. remain spoiler for you. <laughs> Um, but like I said that is all the time we have for but until next time stay safe and we'll see you soon